Thank you for listening to the Institute of World Politics podcast. To learn more about our graduate programs in national security, international affairs, and intelligence, or to support our work in educating future leaders, please visit www.iwp.edu. Thank you for watching this virtual lecture event hosted by the Institute of World Politics. For those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. This lecture event is part of the 11th Annual Kosciuszko Chair Spring Symposium in honor of Lady Blanca Rosenstiel. This event is sponsored by the Kosciuszko Chair in Polish Studies and the Center for Intramarium Studies. This afternoon, we'll be hearing from Dr. Marek Hodakiewicz. Dr. Hodakiewicz holds the Kosciuszko Chair in Polish Studies at the Institute of World Politics and leads IWP Center for Intermarium Studies. At IWP, he also serves as a professor of history and teaches courses on contemporary politics and diplomacy, geography and strategy, mass murder prevention in failed and failing states, and Russian politics and foreign policy. He's the author of Intermurium, The Land Between the Black and Baltic Seas, and numerous other books and articles. He, he holds a PhD from Columbia University and has previously taught at the University of Virginia and Loyola Marymount University. Dr. Hodakiewicz, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much uh, for having me. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, I would like to talk today about the Iron Felix. Felix Dzerzhinsky was his name. He was a monster. He was a Marxist. And he was a mass murderer. At the same time, he was a very, very intriguing and interesting person. And to trace his evolution from a child, from a good family, from a noble Polish Catholic family, into uh, the morass of the revolution is absolutely fascinating. Um, the first time I heard about uh, Felix Dzerzhinsky was because of my great-grandfather, Peter Cieszewski. Uh, he worked for the Russian state on the railroad. He was a uh, he was a station chief or fulfilling the duties of a station chief in 1914 at Iwawa, which was on the border with Prussia, Germany. Um, his um, specialty was a logistics and cargo expert. I think the official Russian title was Agent Povezisku Gruza. Witold Krzyzewski and his family, so my great-grandmother and my grandmother and uh, three other siblings, were evacuated by the Tsarist government in 1915 during the general retreat. They ended up in Moscow, where, among other things, my uh, grandfather, continued his studies at the university, at this time at the University of Moscow. And he also traveled the length and width of the Russian empire, dealing with uh, cargo and logistical issues. And this was a complete ni a nightmare. One of the reasons why Russia was losing the war 
it was simply not prepared for a total war, a modern war, and for a, um, all the logistical problems with the railroads. In any event, following the February, the February Revolution, my uh, great-grandfather continued his work when uh, the Bolsheviks staged their coup d'etat in 1917, his situation changed dramatically. Uh, namely, he was seized as a, as a hostage along with his family, and he was made to work for the Bolsheviks, for the new government. Why? Well, number one, initially at least, government bureaucrats tried to boycott Lenin and his comrades. The Bolsheviks were looking for people they considered disgruntled, in particular among the minorities. And my great-grandfather was Polish, so the Bolsheviks assumed that there was no love, no love lost in him for the Tsar, which was a correct assumption. Further, they needed bourgeois specialists, otherwise everything would come to a standstill. My great-grandfather knew his stuff. He knew about logistics and cargo as far as railroads were concerned. Uh, also, the Bolshevik government moved to Moscow. So my uh, uh, great-grandfather was based there and it was convenient for the Bolsheviks to enlist and therefore to continue the same work. But because uh, of those various other circumstances, he ended up in the Kremlin at the, at the Commissariat of Transportation, where in essence, by default, he fulfilled the duties of a, a deputy commissar, so deputy minister for transportation, and his boss, was Leo Trotsky, uh, who was the commissar of transportation. Uh, my my uh, great-grandfather had a desk at the Kremlin. Next to him, there was a Czechist, a secret policeman with a nagant, with a gun, uh, in case if my great-grandfather got some ideas uh, that were not particularly pro-Bolshevik. Uh, my great-grandfather would remark about Trotsky's nearsightedness. So that's what I remember, that his glasses were as thick as the bottoms of uh, uh, bottles. And as far as Dzerzhinsky, whose desk was nearby, uh, since Dzerzhinsky was uh, the head of the secret police, he also utilized transportation, which was the main way to fight the civil war in the Russian Empire. And my, my, uh, uh, my great-grandfather would invariably refer to Dzerzhinsky as a psychopath and uh, someone really evil. Uh, Trotsky made fun of Dzerzhinsky, he saw as truly evil. 
he contrasted Felix with Felix's family that my great-grandfather was acquainted with and later knew in uh, Vilno, in the interwar Vilno. When he returned, he, went, he was swapped along with his family for Bolshevik POWs with Poland. Uh, the Dzerzhinskis lived in, actually, on their estate in the Novogrudek area, but they also frequented Vilno and uh, for some reason, my great, great grandfather knew them. And they also referred to Felix as uh, a monster and a psychopath, uh, which pleased my uh, great grandfather. Incidentally, Felix Dzerzhinsky's brother, when the Soviets invaded Poland together with the Nazis in 1939, so the Third Reich, and the Soviet Union jointly, following the Hitler-Stalin pact, uh, Felix's brother and his family were left alone by the NKVD, by the secret police. They were left alone at their estate as a living monument to Iron Felix. That was bizarre, but not unknown uh, in the annals of Soviet history an exception was made. They were not deported to Siberia. However, when uh, Germany invaded the Soviet Union, including capturing the lands that were belonged to the Polish Republic before the war, uh, the Dzerzhinskis joined the underground, the underground home army. And in 1942, the Germans exterminated them and raised their manor house to the ground. Incidentally, the manor house has now been restored by Lukashenko, the dictator of Belarus. And there is a KGB training school in it, fittingly. And every May, I think, or June, there is a KGB graduation ceremony at this restore estate. I visited the area and uh, indeed it has been restored along with other things. So this was the first time when I was a small child that I heard about Dzerzhinsky. My parents later augmented my knowledge, naturally. And when I found myself in the United States, I discovered there was not much on Felix Dzerzhinsky in English, uh, except Robert Lobaum, about which we will talk later. Uh, the situation hasn't improved much. F former Cambridge University student Svetlana Lohova an alleged honeypot who was falsely accused of ensnared General Mike Flynn actually wrote an MA thesis on Dzerzhinsky. It is rumored by her mostly to be trailblazing, but it is inaccessible unless one travels to Cambridge, which is not too feasible at the moment because of the global pandemic. Otherwise, 
there are various reference to, references to uh, Dzerzhinsky in most works regarding the revolution in Russia, the Bolshevik takeover, and the early days of Soviet power. Now, Dzerzhinsky was born in uh, uh, was born in a noble family, as I've mentioned. His father was rather pragmatic, so he went with the flow, did not rebel. And his mother was a patriot. Now, we really don't know much about, about his family background. It's an open question, for example, whether the Dzerzhinskis participated in Poland's uprisings and conspiracies in the 18th and 19th centuries, that is until Felix. There is a story here and there about Felix Dzerzhinski, for instance, uh, a tale that young Dzerzhinski prayed feverishly for Poland's freedom, spread eagle on his face, in a church. Is this true? I have no idea. Uh, I think Jakub, Jakub Berman was the source of the story, uh, but, but I have no idea. It's possible. His mother was a very devout and decent person. The apple unfortunately fell far from the tree. Now, almost every Russian historian, Sovietologist, knows that in 1922, Lenin himself called Dzerzhinsky a neophyte Russian chauvinist. This is at the time where Lenin referred to Stalin, who was a uh, who was allied at that point with Dzerzhinsky as uh, churlish great Russian Dzerzhimorda or Russian chauvinist, forceful dictatorial chauvinist. We'll, we'll return to this point later from praying for Poland, for Poland's freedom in, in, in a church to uh, becoming uh, uh, a Russian chauvinist, a uh, neophyte Russian chauvinist. So from polonization to Russification of Felix Dzerzhinsky. Anna Geifman, a brilliant scholar, diagnosed or discovered that Dzerzhinsky was diagnosed before, before the revolution on something uh, with something called circular psychosis or bipolar affective disorder. Uh, she stresses that some revolutionary recruits uh, entered the revolutionary ranks by mere accident. Uh, others fell victim to uh, blackmail, psychological terror or manipulation uh, that included even manipulation of children. It, it, it did happen that at one point the revolutionaries manipulated a Russian hermaphrodite to 
uh, encourage him to join a terrorist cell. Some of the recruits uh, suffered of various neuroses, depression, hysteria, paranoia, and other uh, psychological disorders. And here, here Geifman mentions uh, Dora Brilliant, Brilliant, and Felix Dzerzhinsky. Some of them had suicidal or suffered of suicidal tendencies and some other um, distortions, including the, comp the God complex, divinity complex. Oftentimes such psychological disorders uh, meshed with pathological uh, criminal inclinations. So much for psychohistory. Once again, there is no comprehensive monograph on Dzerzhinsky. So let's just stay with, uh, for now, with Anna Geifman's insights. Uh, there was another facet, interesting facet to Dzerzhinsky. And we have this story complements of uh, Karol Soberson, whose revolutionary pseudonym was Karol, uh, Rad, was Karol Radek. Uh, Karol Radek, Karol Radek uh, remembered, Karol Radek remembered, um, uh, okay, we'll start again. Let me lock the door. Okay, I'm starting again. There is another story, an interesting story uh, about Felix Dzerzhinsky uh, from Karol Soberson, whose revolutionary pseudonym was Karol Radek, one of the top uh, Bolsheviks. Radek recalled the early days before World War I, before the, the revolution of 1905, really. Uh, he said something later, we often joked in the leadership of Polish social democracy, which consisted mostly of Jews, that the only person who knew how to read in Yiddish was Dzerzhinsky, who stemmed from uh, Polish Catholic nobility. Now, uh, this is because Dzerzhinsky organized also Jewish workers and Jewish revolutionaries, not only Polish Catholics. He actually organized anybody who wanted to be a revolutionary. Uh, we'll refer to this. So as far as the early days when Felix Dzerzhinsky uh, was in the process of becoming a revolutionary. I recall that he was sent to Kovno, Kaunas, 
and he plotted there because he was discovered to be sufficiently zealous and uh, devoted to the cause. He was permitted to create his own student circle in the spring of uh, 1895. One of his first revolutionary connections was the Goldman family. And in general, young people from the Gold Goldman family, plus other uh, Jewish youth who adhered to uh, uh, social democratic faith. Uh, uh, Leon and Michal Goldmans, especially uh, Michal, who's uh, revolutionary pseudonym was Mark Lieber participated in Dzerzhinsky's student circle. Now, um, no, Michal Goldman or Mark Lieber, that was his pseudonym, would eventually become a leading light in the Bund, Jewish uh, uh, Marxist social democratic uh, party. There was also an elder, and uh, there was also a sister, Julia, who eventually uh, became a lover of Dzerzhinsky, and they were engaged to be married. Dzerzhinsky set up his circle, which was supposed to be a Lithuanian cell of uh, social democracy. And it served as a separate entity to perhaps short circuit or reconcile perhaps a, a very uneasy relationship on the one hand uh, between uh, the Polish Socialist Party on the one hand and Jewish uh, social democratic uh, groups in the Kingdom of Poland and in the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. Uh, Jewish uh, uh, socialist leaders were opposed to the Polish Socialist Party in particular, its uh, bid for uh, both socialism and Polish patriotism. They rejected attempts to subordinate all uh, socialist groups to the patriotic and socialist agenda of the PPS. Uh, Jewish leaders, socialist leaders actually stalled and at that point, uh, would not declare themselves one way or another whether they supported the national, the nationalist plank uh, which the PPS advanced. What it means is that Jewish Social Democrats refuse to identify as Poles and to support the cause of Polish independence. 
they opposed in particular the attempts by the Polish Socialist Party to recruit Jewish workers into the ranks of the Pepes. Therefore, they preferred Dzerzhinsky's agnostic, still agnostic, uh, circle, and they supported it, and they shored it up. Because like Jewish socialists, Dzerzhinsky and his comrades were either tepid or indifferent or growingly hostile to the question of Polish nationalism and Polish independence. Therefore, the Bundes and other Jewish social democrats preferred uh, Dzerzhinsky from the PPS. To prevent socialists of Jewish origin from falling under the spell of the Polish Socialist Party, instead they would dispatch assimilated and assimilators to uh, other socialist circles or social democratic circles, non-Jewish social democratic circles, both in the kingdom, kingdom of Poland and the Grand uh, uh, Duchy of Lithuania. So aside from, aside from personal sympathies that developed between and affinities that developed between uh, the Goldmans and Dzerzhinsky, uh, there was also the question of party tactics. To cut down the PPS, one should support organizations such as Dzerzhinsky's, which were not interested too much in Poland's freedom per se. They were more interested in socialism and social liberation, not national liberation. Dzerzhinsky uh, eventually uh, became a leading light on the ground in the Kingdom of Poland and in the Grand Duchy of Lithuania of, of uh, a, a new revolutionary party, which eventually became known as Social Democracy of the Kingdom of Poland and Lithuania. He developed its organization and the party achieved its peak during the revolution of 1905. Uh, in Warsaw, his, once again, his main collaborators were plebeians Jan and Antoni Rosu, who deserted from the PPS, and former Bundist Jakub Furstenberg Hametsky. So long as you agreed with proletarian internationalism, Dzerzhinsky didn't care where you came from. Essentially, the Rosso brothers, or uh, Rosso father and son, 
uh, organized, helped Dzerzhinsky organize workers. And Furstenberg Kanatsky was a conduit to Varsovian social democratic intelligentsia, a, a circle that called itself Polish Social Democrats. Uh, initially, the Goldmans and other Bund comrades helped the SDKP, uh, the Social Democracy of the Kingdom of Poland and Lithuania. Uh, among various Bundes who, Bundes who became involved and in eventually crossed over to this as the KPL was uh, Julian Leszczyński. Uh, without the help of such persons, Dzerzhinsky, who was from the borderlands, who was from the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, would not have been as successful in the Kingdom of Poland. One of the reasons, again, that in 1905, just like uh, 10 years earlier, the Bund assisted the SDKPL, so Dzerzhinsky, in the Kingdom of Poland was because the PPS insisted on organizing Jewish workers and treating them as Polish workers. The PPS bent over backwards to embrace Jewish workers. There were even separate Jewish sections within the PPS devoted to the same. The Bund began counteracting this in an organized manner already in 1899. And it went on and on. This is precisely to preempt and undercut the Polish Socialist Party, the, the Warsaw Bundes, uh, help Dzerzhinsky. Uh, and they supported his effort to propagandize directly among Polish workers. And that is why the Bundes introduced Furstenberg to Dzerzhinsky. The Furstenberg circle, the Polish Social Demo uh, Democrats, were all uh, Jewish apostates, uh, linguistically polonized intelligentsia. So these people, in the name of internationalism, were supposed to propagandize Polish Catholic workers. It was also Bund that introduced Dzerzhinsky. It was also the Bund that introduced Dzerzhinsky to the members of the Rosul family. Uh, they used to be involved in organizing artisans, not workers, not precisely workers, but artisans in uh, social democratic circles. And now, together with Furstenberg, uh, via the Bund, they 
began working with Dzerzhinsky. Essentially, all activists of the SDKPL and those who were allied with that organization negated Polish independence and Polish nationalism. Their common slogan was organic incorporation of Poland to future Russian Soviet Republic. I'm talking before World War I. This was a uh, con uh, this was an idea developed by Rosa Luxemburg. She claimed that Poland was not feasible as an independent uh, entity for economic reasons. So it was, it was, it would, it should organically be incorporated and remain a part of Russia, future Red Russia, of course. There were exceptions. Cezarina Wojnarowska and her small circle uh, emulated Lenin. So for instrumental and tactical uh, reasons, attempted to uh, modify and modify the anti-nationalist uh, and internationalist character of the SDKPL by making a deal with the PPS. But because of Dzerzhinsky's influence and his counter offensive against any compromise with, with uh, socialist patriots, Wojnarowska and her people lost influence. In following the revolution of 1905, the SDKPL was truly a mass party. There were nearly 40,000 members, which means the SDKPL almost matched the PPS. The PPS was slightly larger and it was also a, a multinational party with most members stemming, uh, stemming from the working class, uh, except Dzerzhinsky, who was a Polish Catholic nobleman by background. The leadership was uh, consisted of Polonized Jewish intellectuals. There were also in Łódź in particular, uh, German workers and uh, Jewish workers. The majority was Polish, about 70% of the 40,000. The Germans were 25% and the Jewish workers constituted only 5% because most of Jewish social Democrats tended to stay with the Bund. The credit for this sort of a triumph of social democracy in the Krajnat Wyślański or the Kingdom of Poland was uh, a result of uh, Dzerzhinsky's organizational skills and work. Dzerzhinsky and his top comrades took advantage of uh, harsh and oftentimes horrible living conditions uh, 
living in work conditions of artisans and workers. When Russia erupted in 1905, so did the Kingdom of Poland. At least initially, the intensity of strikes there was the greatest. Uh, the violence and repressions most horrific, also because the social question overlapped with the national question. Soon, however, the Russian government solved the situation. It neutralized conservatives, liberals, and nationalists with certain concessions, in particular on the field of education, uh, which later were withdrawn. Uh, the strikes, industrial strikes, particularly in Warsaw, Zagłębie, Dąbrowskie, and especially in Łódź, and agricultural strikes, particularly in the Lublin area, were violently suppressed. Revolutionary fervor died down, in particular because Polish nationalists countered the revolutionaries with uh, arms in hand. The SDKPIL soon reverted to its minimal skeletal sizes, crews, most of them in the underground and most soon destroyed by the police. This was, by the way, the rule across not only the Polish kingdom, but the whole of the Russian empire. And soon Dzerzhinsky once again fell victim of the police. And soon he would be arrested, sent for another stint in Siberia. He had a penchant of escaping from Siberia. He didn't like to be in exile. Uh, I would like to dwell a little bit on Felix Dzerzhinsky. I'd like to talk about his retreat from Polishness and Catholic religion, which commenced in high school. This is when he lost faith and became a militant atheist. Gradually, he absorbed Marxism in various shapes and forms. For instance, he was an, uh, an adherent to so-called economism or the conviction that one should uh, agitate and propagandize the workers from the point of view of their economic and not political needs. Dzerzhinsky adopted this approach from Arkady Kremer, who was a leading Jewish social democratic theorist in Vilna. Therefore, Dzerzhinsky put the greatest stress on strikes with uh, economic postulates and not political ones. Similarly, from his Jewish comrades, the leader of the SDKPIL, 
derived his opposition to Polish nationalism. This was based upon a conviction that uh, endeavoring to win a free Poland and organizing the masses to this end in, in congruence with the national principle, nationalist principle, undermines class solidarity of, uh, of the multi-ethnic proletariat. I think Robert Blobaum explains that, explained this particular issue in a uh, very handy, in a very handy way. And it goes as follows, it goes as follows. Similarly, the crystallization of Dzerzhinsky's views on the national question and the closely related issue of unity among the ethnic socialist parties was a local Vilna inspiration. Here again, the influence of the Jewish socialist Democrats, particularly the Goldman brothers was fundamental. Although Dzerzhinsky had come to reject the idea of either Polish or Lithuanian statehood, both he and the Goldman brothers favored a federation of self-governing units at all administrative levels in a future Russian state. From here, the Goldmans would go one step further as members of the Bund. They embraced the idea of extraterritorial national cultural autonomy. Dzerzhinsky, on the other hand, would gradually retreat from the idea of far-reaching autonomy that, had, uh, that he had come to support in 1897. Later, in the fundamentally different environment of Warsaw, he would move closer to the orthodox views of Rosa Luxemburg. Nevertheless, Dzerzhinsky, Dzerzhinsky's embrace of federalist notions, albeit only temporary, was indeed typical of many political activists, Polish and Jewish, who came from the Kresy, the borderlands. Uh, this anti-national logic for a while concerned, concerned the Poles only, in particular the Poles who were involved with the Polish Socialist Party. In time, however, the leader of the SDKPL, Trump, trumped even the Goldmans who after all remained faithful uh, to Jewishness in the secularized version of the Bund. With Dzerzhinsky, it started from the quarrel uh, of a type that, that raged between the PPS and the Bund. Namely, the SDKPL started poaching on the Jewish street, recruiting revolutionaries. The Bund started opposing. In particular, the Bund did not like uh, the press which Dzerzhinsky and his comrades published in Yiddish. The Bundists wanted uh, the SDKPL propaganda only in Polish. Dzerzhinsky 
angrily rejected it. After a while, even Jewishness itself began to irritate Iron Felix. The bond started to emerge in his eyes as not sufficiently internationalist. Uh, Dzerzhinsky openly complained, uh, complained about the Bund's eternal and uh, omnipresent stress on the Bund's Jewishness. He didn't appreciate the fact that the Bundists wanted to have a cake and eat the cake. They wanted to be internationalist Marxist revolutionaries, but they also endeavored to remain Jewish, at least Jews in a secular form. For uh, their future, for their past student, this revealed itself uh, as, uh, as a nationalist minority heresy. Just as Pol the Polishness of the Polish Socialist Party was a heresy, so was the Bund's stance on Jewishness. So as far as the Polish Socialist Party, Dzerzhinsky uh, uh, charged, criticizing the Pepe's were fighting against nationalism, nationalist worldview and moral corruption by nationalism, which are the greatest obstacles for our social democratic movement. Let us stress that this revolutionary was in complete agreement with the rest of the leadership of the SDKPF. Finally, the revolutionary alienation from Polishness led Dzerzhinsky to negate all nationalism, all nationalisms in the name of unity within the framework of the Russian Social Democratic Party, which the SDKPL joined in 1906. In this way, Iron Felix found himself in one organization with Lenin and his Bolsheviks. The next step, in August 1918, led Dzerzhinsky to the Bolshevik party itself. And that revealed itself, and it had to reveal itself in promoting the primacy of Russian nationalism as the main cement unifying the Soviet Union. It caused Lenin in 1922 to call Dzerzhinsky a neophyte Russian chauvinist and Stalin, Dzerzhinsky's ally of the moment, a, a churlish great Russian Dzerzhimorda. In this way, national apostasy came a full circle from negating Polishness through international mentality all the way up to adopting self-identification, Russian self-identification in its Bolshevik version, self-mentality. This is the true revolutionary journey of 
our fanatic. Jerzynski and his comrades were international commies, international commune. They, they really weren't any great differences between Polako Komuna Dzierżyński, Hamo Komuna Rosu, and Żydo Komuna uh, Furstender. They were internationalists. Uh, when we add descriptives to their names, it's really superflu superfluous for the purpose of describing their ideology. However, it can help to identify precisely the roots. They all were enamored in the Luxembourgist organic incorporation. They all negated Polish nationalism, including Polish independence, including in its socialist version. They considered it independence as utopia. Dzerzynski himself wrote, uh, nationalist propaganda plays into the hands of the government, not only because it divides our party, but also the Polish proletariat from the Russian and Jewish. We therefore considered that the PPS is on the wrong road uh, with its slogan of the struggle for the independence of Poland. They accuse us of treachery, that we want to destroy the workers' movement, intending to chop off its head. We want only that the proletariat understand its real interests. And real interest was internationalism and later uh, the Soviet Union in its Russian form. Dzerzynski, as we see, was not unique. There were others. There was a split in the Polish Socialist Party and its entire left-wing uh, simply joined in body and soul and in, in opinion, uh, the social democracy of the Kingdom of Poland and Lithuania. The leaders of SDKPL, such as Dzierżyński or Julian Marchlewski, alienated themselves from Polishness, just like Jogihes and Luxembourg rejected Judaism and Jewishness. They converted before 1914 to internationalism. Their mentality underwent the uh, degenerate transformation which resulted in getting rid of self-identification mentally, mental self-identification with Polish nationality and therefore with Polish affairs. The same thing concerns the comrades of Jewish origin. They would eventually all meet uh, in the ranks of the Bolshevik orientation. Therefore, Polish patriots 
including leftist patriots, consider Dzerzhinsky and Marchlewski as uh, traitors and renegades. They referred to them as Komuna. Uh, whereas Felix Pell, who was uh, involved with Pepe's revolutionary fraction under Joseph Piłsudski, was Polish and was considered Polish, even though he was a socialist, social. Dzerzhinsky was simply uh, a Komuna, just as Luxembourg. People added that uh, Luxembourg was a Jukon, Zidokon. This was the prism through which their opponents endeavored to understand and segregate socialists in the old lands of the Commonwealth. Whether we like it or not, this uh, interpretation repulses essentially everybody, but we must understand that the perception I've just mentioned applied in those times. Let's not be a hysterical. I would like to spend a little bit of time on Robert Blobaum and his work on Dzerzhinsky. Fanatical, ascetic, dialectical, practical, and love-struck describes best Poland's most infamous communist revolutionary and the founder of the Soviet secret police as he emerges from the pages of Robert Blobaum's Felix Dzerzhinsky and the SDKPL, a study of the origins of Polish communism. The historian did a yeoman's work to restore the revolutionary hero to his proper place in the Red Pantheon. Never lapsing into a hagiography, Blobaum remains critical of, is somewhat, if somewhat sympathetic to, his protagonist. Canonized by communist historiography both in the USSR and Poland, Felix Dzerzhinsky was not only the unblemished Leninist and spotless and peerless knight of the revolution. Uh, Lobaum concentrates, however, on the period before the Bolshevik takeover. He traces Dzerzhinsky's origin in a landed noble Catholic family in Lithuania, his patriotic upbringing, in particular by his religiously devout mother, his humiliation by the Russian authorities in high school, his subsequent loss of faith, abandonment of Polish nationalism, and gradual embrace of revolutionary internationalist socialism, as well as his quest to bring about utopia on earth through mostly covert operations. Dzerzhinsky was neither a party ideologue nor a theoretician. Instead, he was a superb pra practitioner, organizer, and clandestine operator of the social democracy of Poland and Lithuania. Whereas emigre Rosa Luxemburg stood apart as the brain be behind the socialist obstructions, Dzerzhinsky breathed life into them. Arguably, his greatest contribution was the introduction of the centralized model of leadership. His, he partly anticipated Lenin and not followed him on the so-called democratic centralism. Early on, the, as the KPL leader 
realized that the party discipline and a top-down dictatorship were the best way to run a utopian organization which metastasized from a sect into a mass party of 40,000 people during the revolution of 1905. The SDKPL grew under his tutelage in leaps and bounds only to be destroyed by the Russian secret service, the Okhrana. The ascetic leader paid for his fanaticism with numerous stints in jail and in Siberia, even if he invariably escaped from his frigid exile. The revolutionary was fiercely independent and protected the independence of his SDKPL from Lenin. Dzerzhinsky initially supported the Bolsheviks against the Mensheviks, but switched sides when Lenin began interfering in the affairs of his party. His greatest quarrel with the Bolshevik leader concerned Rosa Luxemburg's theory that Poland's independence was not viable. Dzerzhinsky likewise opposed Poland's independence on principle, while Lenin advanced a deceitful formula of proletarian sovereignty, that is a communist Soviet Poland, that as the KPEL Supremo would have none of it. He firmly believed that any concessions to Polish nationalism would undermine proletarian solidarity of the multi-ethnic empire. The Polish nobleman turned socialist also had a falling apart with the Marxist Jewish Bund. At first, he considered himself a pupil of the Vilna Bundes, especially the Goldman family. He owed his internationalism to them, but eventually he grew dissatisfied with them. They remained, well, too Jewish for his taste. Having become alienated utterly from his own background, Dzerzhinsky wanted everyone to debunk oneself from one's roots and to embrace utopian internationalism. Those Jewish Marxists failed short of the ideal. Despite, despite the paucity of sources, Bloban's take on Dzerzhinsky's private life is quite illuminating. The revolutionary was brought up by formidable women, including his mother, aunt, and sister, and suffered terribly whenever anything negative affected them. The death of his mother, Helena, was particularly devastating, but so was the untimely de demise of his tubercular fiance, who expired in his arms in Switzerland. Each time he turned violently catatonic. There were other times uh, where either an unhappy love affair or other personal problem Problems, for instance, concern for his wife Zofia Mushkat and his little son, son Jan, and or for his sister Aldona and her husband would virtually paralyze Iron Felix. Eventually, however, his often tragic personal affairs, along with his frail health, would ultimately uh, propel Dzerzhinsky to an to even greater revolutionary exertions. He threw himself into increasingly reckless and exhaustive assignments. He was a true fanatic and depicting this process of coping with the personal by turning to the public, Blobaum gives us cycle history at its best. Regrettably, however, despite all his psychohistorical musings, Blobaum fails to provide us a history of a utopian cycle. Instead, he minces the words and couches Dzerzhinsky's means, ways, and aims in, progressive, in a progressive language. It is obvious that Blobam likes socialism and sympathizes with its purveyors, including this particular monster. 
the author clearly considered socialism legitimate, even if he winces a bit here and there, and then and there, but not too often, uh, at the methods employed to achieve it by the comrades of the SDKP, including his protagonist. One cannot quite imagine a biography of Heinrich Himmler, say, that would wax quite that lyrical about the organizational skills of this particular org, or over the utopian promise of national socialism in its class slash race struggle. Ultimately then, the moral, the moral failure and perhaps self-deception of Felix Dzerzhinsky and the SDKPL rests in the author's refusal to acknowledge that the socialist path the protagonist took inevitably leads to coercion and terror of the utopia of Marx and Lenin. Either socialism or freedom, there is no other option. Dzerzhinsky marched with his SDKPL to seize power with the Bolsheviks, which resulted in the establishment of a socialist dictatorship of misery and mountains of skulls. Two bad Blobaum's Marxist ideological prejudices consistently blind him to that outcome. On that note, I end hoping that somebody will tackle Dzerzhinsky in English and shed more light on that monster. Thank you very much.